Good. It's good to hear a couple of you. So engaging in your conversations. It's great to see you. Welcome here. My name is Matt. Uh, my privilege to lead the team and to speak this morning to you quite briefly, but not too briefly. We're continuing in our series in the Gospel of Luke, exploring who Jesus is. So if you've got, if you've got a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 8. And today we're exploring God's family. What is God's family? What does it mean to be a child of God? How does one enter the family of God? Who, what, is the, is the, what, what, what is the family of God? And what's our attitude to be to that family? All those kind of themes. So let's read from Luke 8, 19 to 21. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Just briefly in passing, I want you, have you noticed, if you've been here a few weeks, how this is linked to what, what, what's been said previously? What's been said previously? Remind me, shout out, what's been said previously? The parable of the lamp, and previous to that, parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. And both of those are about listening to God's word and obeying it. And you see, it's really important that you pay, we, we pay attention because he now says, my family are those who listen to God's word and obey it. So you see, that's now an application of it, of the parable of the soil, the parable of the lamp. This is just a link to it. It's not a separate thing. Luke is trying to tell us something. And you see how repetitious this is and how he's trying to reinforce to us the importance of reading his word, reflecting on it, Obeying it. Because don't we all need reminding, don't we? Do your hands up if you need reminding to read God's word. Nice and high. Be proud of your, you know, add what you like to the end of that. We all struggle with these things. That's why he keeps repeating it. And it's important for us. So we're talking about God's family today. And what that means. So now, Daniel Diaz is going to come and share with us. So let's welcome him. Hello. All right, there you go. All right, uh, first, first I want to thank Matt for giving me the opportunity to talk to the congregation today. Um, good morning, church. Uh, as most of you already know, my name is Daniel, because of the superb introduction that Matt gave me. Uh, if you're new to the church today, it's nice to meet you. Today I've come to talk to you guys about the importance of family and how we're all called to be a part of God's family. So before I start ranting, I want to ask you guys, who here loves their family? Put your hands up. See, it's pretty much everyone, right? It's a lot of us. It's, it's, family is truly an amazing thing. Now, I know we all come from different families, and with that comes different cultures, different traditions, different relationships, different things you do together, and ultimately, different reasons for why you love your family so much. So for me, there's quite a lot of things that I love about my family. 
I love how my parents always encourage me with my dreams for the future. So, for example, I play a lot of football, and my dream is to play professional football when I'm older. And my parents encourage me with that a lot. Um, I love how my parents are always praying for me. So uh, I run a Bible study on Mondays, and they're always um, checking in, asking how it's going, how many people went, and they're always um, persevering and praying for me. I also love that because we're Brazilian. Um, we have some people that may not be blood relatives to us, but we still call them Chiu and Chia or auntie and uncle. Oi, Chiu, oi, Chia. And, <laughs> and it, um, it just means auntie and uncle, and it's just it's nice because it makes our family seem bigger. And um, finally, I love how my, my parents especially, maybe not Amanda so much, but uh, <laughs> they always remind me of how much they love me. So whenever I come down in the morning, I'm greeted with a hug. Bon dia, filho, te amo. Good morning, son, I love you. And before I leave the house, bye, Daniel, love you. And it's just nice. And I know all these things are lovely, but what I came to talk to the church about today is actually captured in a perfect short sentence. It's actually a quote I came across when I was doing a bit of research for this. And um, it goes, in a time of test, family is best. In a time of test, family is best. And when I saw that quote, oh, it was perfect. It was the ultimate epitome of what family means to me. For me, that sentence couldn't have been any better to describe why I love my family so much. And what this quote is saying, in a time of test, family is best, is that no matter what I go through or what comes up in my life, my family is always there for me. And I know most of you are thinking, what's this kid on about? He's 14. He doesn't have anything coming up in his life. Maybe like a maths test or something like that. I do have one on Tuesday. I should probably revise. Um, and, but the thing is that despite that, no matter how big the problems that come in my life or how small they are, my family are always there to support me. So um, for me, my family are the perfect Christian fellowship that I look for. And it's the Christian fellowship that the Bible calls us to have. So in Proverbs 27 verse 17, it says, So as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's exactly what my family does. As most of you know, I was born into a Christian Brazilian household. So ever since I was little, I've been going to church. My parents have always encouraged me to read my Bible, to pray, to serve others and so forth. And I've been so fortunate and grateful for that. However, I am aware that a lot of us might not be so fortunate to have parents that encourage our faith. Maybe for some of us, it might be the opposite. Maybe they'll think it's a bit silly or, oh, it's a phase that will pass, you know. Oh, Christianity. Oh, yeah, that's, that's their thing. I won't get involved. And um, I'm also aware that for some of us, the topic of family might be really tough. And for some of us, we might not even have a family. But all those things that you might feel are holding you back, all those things that you feel like are chained to your back and have got you stuck, just remember that Christ breaks all chains and that none of that can hold you from being part of a truly loving family, which is God's family. So I've got this story about two people that go to my school. Uh, they're twins. Some of the youth might know them because they went to Big Church Day Out. I know Seth does, but, um, and they, unfortunately, because they're siblings, they're like constantly arguing, right? And I know a lot of us can probably relate to your siblings being a bit annoying, and you know. But um, uh, the thing is, sometimes their arguments, it starts off with something little, like, I don't know, one of them beat the other on FIFA, like 7-0 or something. And then they like mock them, and then it just gets upscaled, and it's gotten to the point like really bad in school. I've seen them like have literal fist fights before, and it's just horrible to watch because they're brothers. And every time they get into an argument, every time they get into a fight, Joel's laughing because <laughs> every time they get into a fight, myself and Joel, we always try our best to remind them of the verse that your mother loves to use on you and your siblings, which is uh, 1 John 4, verse 21. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 
Now, this verse applies not just to blood siblings, but also to your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are all siblings in Christ. And I guess the message that I'm trying to put across with this story is how, as a church, we are called to be welcoming and remind each other of God's love, the same way myself and Joel always try and remind the twins to love their brother. So as a church, being welcoming and loving is a must. As part of God's family, we have to be welcoming and loving. Because I want you to imagine a scenario. Imagine someone, like maybe one of the twins, whose relationship with their family might not be the best. Then they come to church looking for God's love because they might not find it at home. But then when they come, they aren't encouraged by the congregation. They don't really feel God's love when they're there. Now I want you to imagine the same scenario, but instead, they, when they come to church, they are encouraged by the members of the congregation. They are shown God's love. And now they want to be a part of God's family. Because we, as Christians, are called to shine our light into areas of darkness, to display God's love for others. Because that one atheist in your class or that one person who doesn't come to church anymore, the only time they'll recognize and see how much God loves them will be when they interact with you, a member of God's family. So, because a Christian's character is what will draw people's eyes to God. Because I know many people probably think, oh, but I don't know if God loves me. I I don't deserve to be in God's family. I don't think I'm worthy enough. But what you have to remember is, no matter what you think, no matter what you think of yourself, God still loves you the same, and he still welcomes you into his family. So I want to leave you with a message that no matter what you may be going through, remember that God is hearing your prayers for your family and that one day they can come to know Jesus and be a part of God's family as well. And also remember that no matter what you're going through, you have a lovely community here at church that are here for you. And finally, no matter how tough your family situation may be, you still have the greatest father in all of the universe and in all of time, the Lord our God, the Father in heaven. So just remember that in a time of test, God's family is best. Wonderful. Do I need to say any more? (laughs) In a time of test, God's family is best. And you may be here today, and maybe you're not yet a part of God's family. You are very welcome to join that family. We're going to explore briefly how you can be part of that family and what that means for our lives. My lesson today, my very simple idea is this. Spiritual adoption always results in love for the Father and his family. Let's let's look at that again. Spiritual adoption, becoming a part of God's family, always results, always. Now, we're not perfect, but if you don't love God and if you don't love the family of God, we're not Christians. There's got to be a measure of that in us because that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Those who are adopted into God's family always love God's, the, the Father and his family. So how do we become adopted into God's family? How do we join the family of God? Very simply, through faith in Christ. We heard about the parable of the sower and the seed that came to rest on that good soil. If we are good soil, if we are open to the message of the gospel, that Jesus died for us, rose again, and if we invite him to come into our lives as Lord and Savior, that seed in us grows in us. 
That's how we enter the family of God. I want us to see, because we could think, couldn't we, that he says, my mother and brothers are those who hear my word and do what it says. And we could say, wow, okay, so to become a Christian, I've got to obey the Bible, which means I've got to do lots of stuff, keep lots of rules and so on. But I want us to understand that the very uh, first act of obedience is a very simple thing. My family listen to my word. Well, what is that word? Firstly, the word is, gee, I have died for you, for your sin. Will you receive me? That's the first word to you. And the first act of obedience as children of God, we, we obey his word, is to receive that. Receive the Lord and Savior into your life. And that's something you can do. It's achievable, isn't it? Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You are forgiven. You are justified. And you're adopted into God's family simply. It says here in John 1, 12 to 13, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. It says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in him. He gave the right to become children of God. So have you believed? Have you received Christ? Has that seed fallen on you? Have you allowed allowed that light of the gospel to come into your life? Have you received and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? If you have, you're a child of God adopted into his family. He's now your heavenly father. If you haven't done that, you're not in the family of God. We've got to receive him. We've got to believe him to enter the family of God, to be adopted as his children. And he says this very mysterious thing. He says, children born, born again by the Holy Spirit, children born not of natural descent, so it's not a, he's not talking about human birth, nor a human decision, So even though you became a Christian, it seems, by your own will, yes, you make a decision to believe and to receive, yet the deeper truth, the deeper reality is that you believe and you receive Christ and you've become adopted because God chose you. That's a mystery and those two things, you cannot square them as it were. You have a choice today to believe and receive, but understanding this, friends, that if you are a Christian, it's because God chose you. Not because you were good and beautiful and wonderful. You know, in natural adoption, you might meet a child, you might walk into an orphanage, you might see a child, you might say, yes, I feel drawn to that child because of some traits in them. God didn't choose us, love us, and adopt us and forgive us because we were good and beautiful And something wonderful about us. No, we're sinners. His love is such that he takes us in our mess and mire and he raises us up to be his children. And we've got to understand this new identity because too many of us still live down in the mud and mire thinking I'm rejected, thinking God's not accepted me, thinking I'm far from God and I feel bad about myself so therefore God feels bad about me. No, if you've received him, if you've believed in him, he's given you the right to be a child of God, which means right now he's your father, but also you have the inheritance of eternal life with God forever. May the Holy Spirit cause these things to dawn on us today. I pray.
that's how we become a child of God. Through faith in Christ. And then, who are the family of God? The family of God are the people of God, the church. Daniel called you your, your spiritual siblings. Turn to your neighbor and say, brother or sister, say, hello, brother or sister. Don't say, or, don't say hello, brother or sister. I mean, if they're a brother, say hello, brother. And if they're a sister, say hello, sister. <laughs> don't, don't. We're not going down that rabbit hole. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? And that affects everything. And not just the local church. This is the local church, but there's the universal church of every Christian around the world, from every ethnic background, every nation, every language and people group. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. You see how this is radically, how it radically changes our relationship and our views of other people from different backgrounds. It's the church, it's the family of God, locally, internationally. God is our father now. Jesus is our brother. So who's the family of God? We are the family of God. God is father. Jesus is our brother. This is our family. We've got natural families, and you may have good or bad or somewhere in between relationships with them. But you've got a new, new radical identity as a child of God in the family of God. Whom we are to love and cherish. Paul says that we are to treat older women as mothers. Older, older men as fathers. Younger women and men as brothers and sisters. And it says that we are to be in absolute purity. We're not to be harsh with each, well, particularly it talks about harsh with those who are older. There's not to be harshness between us because we do fall out sometimes. And there is to be a purity between us because we are family. Absolute purity, as there is in a normal family, right? There is absolute purity, should be anyway. You can see, can't you, in a, in a normal family it should be absolutely pure. It's anathema, isn't it, to think of anything else. Likewise, in the family of God, absolute purity. It doesn't mean say people don't get married, but there is a, a, a wise and prayerful process through which men and women get married within the church. We don't ape the world. We don't follow the world and its values. This is the family of God and the kingdom of God. We love the world, but we are to be a light in this world, and we are a light in this world by being a family that reflects his holiness and goodness and love. I want to share a story with you which I'm, I've been toying even on the way down this morning about whether or not to share. But I've decided I will share it. I think it's helpful. Um, when, my, when I was... So, so when I was three... At, my mother left our home. And so my father brought up my brother and I. All male household. Very smelly socks. And 
it, you know, it, you can imagine what that was like. It was good in many ways, but he was a single parent dad and didn't really know what he was doing. When I was 15, he passed away, and I ended up living with, uh, well, initially I, I went to live with a friend. And I want you just, I, I don't know if you can imagine the situation, but I was 15, I was in this bedroom, and I was with this friend, and, I, and, and although it was a kindness, of course it was a kindness, you, you, you just felt completely bereft and lost and lonely. That's, that's how I felt. Um, and then this went on for, for a number of months. And obviously tensions come in. You know, you've, you're best, even best friends, you're living together. And you just, I just felt lost. And one day, a friend, or a, one of our other friends, he said to me, and I can't remember the context now, but it came to mind as I was preparing in this situation, it came to mind. And um, he said to me, I sh he said to me, Matt, you should be more grateful. And you can understand, like, maybe he meant well. But, of course, you know, of course I should be grateful, shouldn't I? You know, I'm 15, I'm a teenager, this family's taken me in. Of course I should be grateful. Of course I should. But... I don't know what it was, and I've been thinking about what it was about that comment that, that drove me into this, this, this pit. But I think it was, as I reflect on it, I didn't realize at the time, but maybe in my, what you might call subconscious, I picked up on this message, that I was unworthy of this family taking me in. I, and I felt that maybe kindness should be repaid. That's what I felt under the surface. And I wasn't doing good enough to this, to this family. And when that friend said that to me, and I, I, I toyed whether to share this, I will share it with you, is that I absolutely lost it. I went m m just off the planet. And I went into... But I went, I, I, although I was living with this friend, I still had the keys to my old house. I went back to my old house, dark, cold, and lifeless. And still had all the furniture and everything in it. It was still the old house, but nothing, because my dad was gone. The past, you know, was gone. And I, I took out a knife and I started slashing my own wrists. I was so angry that I was in this situation, that I didn't know, what, I don't know, it, I still don't know what I meant by it, but it was anger at being so lonely and lost, and that this had happened to me. A while, thankfully, you know, I still, I'm still here, um, a little while later, I then came to faith. I won't go into the details of all that because the story's long enough. But I can tell you now, knowing the fatherhood of God and knowing the family of God has saved me. You may not have had that sort of incident in your life, but we, I think I can appreciate friendship, family, in a different way because of my experiences. 
I love my wife, I love my children, I love them, I love, I love the fact of feeling safe, I love the fact of feeling uh, in, a, in a place of welcome. But some of you out aren't there, haven't got that. Maybe you were at that first place I was at. But God welcomes you home to him. He welcomes, he wants you to know him as his heaven, your heavenly father. And it's the beginning of healing. Walk with him and he'll take you forward into greater and greater joy. All are invited to be adopted into God's family. Jesus says, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And certainly my life was transformed. So what will be the result of becoming a child of God through adoption? What's going to be, what's going to happen to us? Well, as I, I'm sharing a bit about myself this morning, I can tell you it transformed my attitude to so many things. I had a non-Christian girlfriend at the time, and I, no, this is the, this is a weird thing, right? I want to tell you, my mum and dad were not married. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't married. I wasn't set an example of marriage. I wasn't set an example of anything like that. But I knew when I became a Christian because of the work of the Holy Spirit in me, and no one told me this, that I had to be celibate as an unmarried man. And I repented. And it affected my language. I used to swear a lot. And, and get angry a lot. And I can't say I'm at all perfect, but my language has changed. The way I speak has changed. I remember I stole a book from school. I stole this book about history. And I, when I became a Christian, I remember seeing the book going, and I felt conviction in my conscience. And I took the, the book back to school. This is after I've left school. And the secretary looked at me like I think I was, I was just mad. I said, I'm so sorry, I stole this book, I'm bringing it back. And she was like, I don't really know what to do with it, you know. But I gave it back. And I know, I, know it, I, start, I stopped, there's many things that, I, that changed in my life. Stopped things, started things. I'm no exception. When we become part of the family of God, we love the Father and we love his family, and it grows and grows. If we allow it to grow and grow, if we walk with the Spirit into these things. So let's just consider briefly, as we come to an end, some specific ways that knowing the family of God, knowing Jesus, entering the family of God will change us. Well, firstly, I want to say this. We, it says, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So my first thing is this. We love God's word. We love to hear our father. Imagine saying to a friend, uh, well, you, you, know, you, how, what, you know, would you call someone a friend who never wants to listen to you, never wants to hear you, just, just talks at you? No, that's not friendship. Friend, friends and people who love you want to learn about you, want to hear you. And likewise, we love the Father. He's put his love into us. And so we want to hear his voice. And this is principally through 
his Bible, the word of God. So we have a relationship, a lifestyle in which we get into God's word and we do all that we can to grow. And we're doing it this morning in church. This is all part of it. Obviously, I've said it already. We love God's family. Another aspect. We not only love the Father and his word, we love the family of God. 1 John says this, we know that we have passed from death to life. We know that we've, been, we've passed from death to life because we love each other. And he's not talking about the world generally, and there is a love for the world, of course. But he's talking specifically about the church, who are meant to be the light of the world. We need to love each other. He says, that's how we know we've, we've passed from death to life, because we love each other. I challenge you, friends. Do you love your church? Do you lay your life down for your church? Do you sacrifice for your church? Likewise to myself. Do I love you? Do we love each other? Are we, show, are we actually working it out? Now, we can't be best friends and do it with everybody, but within the limitations we have of, of capacities within a church, are we doing what we can to love each other? Let me challenge you on that. Challenge ourselves on that. Do we love the family of God? Anyone, he says here, who does not love remains in death. That's strong, isn't it? Anyone who hates brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Or her. Prayer is another thing. If we are children of God, we not only listen to our Father, we not only love one another, but we love to pray. Now again, this is a, this is a practice we grow in and develop, but we, we love to talk to the Father and spend time with him in conversation. We talk to him about our worries and concerns. We talk to him about our, our needs and our, you know, challenges. I'm finding it hard to forgive this person. I'm angry at this situation. We talk to the Father about the things we're worried and concerned and angry about. We ask him to help us in our lives. We love to talk to the Father. Hospitality, that comes under loving one another, but this should surely mark a community, a family. See, a family, ideally, loves to get together, loves to be together, loves to eat together, loves to talk together. Now, these are all ideals, aren't they? But even if we have a bad family, that, that will teach us to value the ideal, won't it? Even if we've got a bad family, we, might, we may enjoy it more, the idea of family and a healthy family. So hospitality should mark us out. Welcoming strangers, welcoming one another in whatever capacity we have, welcoming people into our lives. Service. Service. Serving one another. Using the gifts the Holy Spirit has given to us to serve each other. That marks the family, doesn't it? And finally, generosity. Generosity, I'm talking financially. It says here in 1 John 3 again, we, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in them? The only way we know each other's needs is by being in deep relationships with one another in our community groups and friendships. Then we get to know one another, get to know one another's needs. Let's, let's do what we can. We can't do everything, but we can do something, can't we? Let's budget well. Let's use the resources we've got to the service of God so we don't have regret and we're investing in people, investing in God. And even today, as you have opportunity to give to the gift day, give in love to the Father. Give to the family as you feel led by the Spirit. Do it out of love. Let that be a motivator. So we can see here, don't we, being in God's family. It says, in my mother and brothers, hear God's word and put it into practice. We see being in God's family, being adopted into the family of God, transforms our lives in so many waves, ways. The band's going to come up. We're going to carry on worshipping for a few more minutes. And I'll ask you a few questions just as we finish. Have you been adopted into God's family? Have you received Jesus Christ? And therefore, adoption. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Christ? I'm not asking how good you feel or how well you performed. Have you believed and received Christ? Then you are in the family of God. You may have grazed knees. You may have holes in your elbows. You may have fallen down a well, fallen down a pit. You may come to your your dad covered in muck, but he receives you. If, if, if You're adopted if you've received and believed in Christ. Like the prodigal son, right? He comes home, a complete mess, but the father throws a party because he loves his children. Have you received Christ? Are you enjoying this identity? Are you... Are we living in it? Are we, are we allowing this to fill us with joy? Are we reflecting and meditating on these truths so that they fill us with joy? This is 1 John 3, 1. Yeah, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. See, see it. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen the love of God for you? Yes, in the cross, but also in your adoption into his family. See this love this morning. Are you enjoying this identity? And finally, are you obeying your father? Are you listening to him and obeying him? Paul in Romans says that we don't have a spirit of slavery. Abba Father. Abba Father. Abba just being be, be, be Aramaic for Father. Everyday use of the word Father. Familial, loving, close. But you see what that means? It doesn't just mean, it means another step though. It also means obedience to the Father. If we love the Father, if we're saying Abba Father, we're saying I want to I do what pleases you. I want to do what you want me to do. 
I want to live my life as you want me to live. Because I love you. Not because I'm fearful of you. It's different, isn't it? We're not obeying the Father because we're scared he's going to reject us because he would never reject you. No, let the fact he will never reject you, let the fact that he will never let you go, stir you to loving response to the one who is so kind to us. worship now. We're going to worship together. Stand. Family of God. Family of... Hey, that's kind of you. <laughs> Family of God. Let's now worship our Father together. The Holy Spirit's here to affirm these things to us. Let's worship our Father together. Let's come to Him. Let's enjoy Him now. Not just now, through the week. Walk with your Father. Let's praise Him together now. Thank you, Lord.